Today's letter is G. G is for globalization. Globalization is the process by which businesses or organizations develop international influence or start operations on an international scale. Now, there are some fears about the increasing globalization of the uh, economy and the, the world and all of the crossing over of boundaries. Because with globalization, you find that there's an increasing integrated global economy marked especially by free trade, free flow of capital, and the tapping in of cheap foreign labor markets. So in some ways, there's the fear of increased exploitation of cheap foreign labor, which with that means the sending of jobs and income out of the country. Although it's in response, we get cheap products. At the same time, if half of our workforce isn't working, then they can't afford to purchase those. So there's ups and downs of globalization, and there's a lot of conversations and debate around it. And a lot of good information on the internet to further explore globalization. But as you know, what I like to do is kind of hone in on something that's specific, tangible, and how it affects you on a day-to-day basis. Globalization and the concept of globalization, which trading with our, our partners across the sea and across the world, even something that uh, a company I worked with did 10 years ago, which was around-the-clock workforce. So when we shut down at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, we turned it over to all of the work and phone calls. We forwarded those to a number on a different part of the world where it was morning for them. And they would pick up where we left off. While we're sleeping, they're continuing to do the work. In our case, whether it was software development, testing, design, supporting the customers, And then the same thing would happen again at the end of their day. They rotated over to another group. They would work it further through the night until it was morning and we would pick it up. So that is kind of a round the clock, 24 hour operations. And so uh, 10, 15 years ago, that concept was catching on in the IT industry. And so imagine how much software you can push out and get out faster if you weren't just dependent on your local workforce that was just putting in eight hours a day, but literally having a 24 hours. Um, quite, quite a challenge for project managers to keep up with, but it made uh, a lot of sense. And I've seen it be very successful. But again, with globalization, that means that you're working with people with, from different cultures, different dialects. Um, even different work ethics. And so there's something that uh, I've, I've talked about before, team building, building a team, and yet you have totally different time zones as well as the culture and speaking, uh, the different languages that are a challenge. And even if everyone's speaking the same language, you have different accents and just different understandings. So... 
these are all the things that happen when you even try to have a global workforce. Now, the other thing that I've seen and how I've seen it impact me um, personally, too, on in a, a job role is that we had software that maybe we originally wrote for a local end user base. But then when you go to globalize it, we had to do a lot of study and training and bringing in different subject matter experts. Um, a prime example where we went to purchase and implement software here in the United States and we used the stakeholder requirements for the United States. But then when we did finally bring in the different countries, it became very evident that different countries had different exceptions which required different requirements of the software vendor and implementation. So trying to find a one solution to fit a lot of different countries can be a challenge in and of itself. Now, let's talk about even globalization over the centuries and talk about the impact that the whole digital era has had on globalization. In the 20th century, and, and what I want to do is compare 20th century to the 21st century, and um, I want to credit the HuffingtonPost.com. Uh, James Manakia created a chart of digital globalization. Again, that's on the HuffingtonPost.com website, and that's James dash M-A-N-Y-I-K-A and the chart of digital globalization. So what it shows on the left-hand side, the 20th century, and on the right, the 21st. On the 20th century, we had a flow of tangible goods. Here in the 21st century, thanks to the digital era, it's not just tangible goods that are going back and forth. It's also data and information that is flowing. Um, to even the extent that we see in everyday news, a common topic recently is other countries being able to tamper with our elections here in the United States. So that, again, is one of the, the downsides. The other uh, component of globalization in the 20th century flow mainly between advanced economies, whereas now in the 21st century, uh, something that we say about the digital era, it's kind of leveling the playing field, if you know how to leverage it. So there's greater participation um, in globalization by emerging economies. Also, um, in the 20th century, there was capital and labor-intensive flows. Well, today in the 21st century, there's more knowledge-intensive flows, the more sharing of information. In the 20th century, transportation infrastructure is critical for flows. So moving freight back and forth because, again, in the 20th century, it was mainly physical goods. In the 21st century, it's all about digital infrastructure becoming equally as important as the transportation infrastructure. And one thing that was brought to my attention that in emerging countries, um, Instead of them starting with old technology, since they are just entering into the uh, world, the digital world, they're starting off with 4G 
networks and 5G networks. So they're catching up very quickly because they're jumping on the the on-ramp of the information highway and starting with the the latest and greatest in the, the current. So, again, that's why emerging economies are quickly catching up with uh, advanced economies when it comes to the digital infrastructure. 20th century, it was more of a focus on the multinational companies. They were driving the, the whole globalization. Now there's a growing role of small enterprise and individuals. I've even talked to, in, in our archives, we've interviewed people that are starting their businesses internationally. And they're just one man or uh, mom and pop type organizations, but learning the, the laws, the process, working with ambassadors that help businesses do businesses um, globally, and then, of course, leveraging technology because you can do the, the same things internationally from their laptops. Um, and then just a couple of more here I have for you where in the 20th century, the flow mainly of monetized transaction, whereas now we're seeing more exchanges of free content and services. The next one is ideals diffuse slowly across border, where it's today instant global access to information. And again, that's thanks to the trends uh, and capacity of digitalization. My last one is, in the 20th century, innovation flows from advanced to emerging economies. In the 21st century, we can expect innovation to flow in both directions. So, again, entrepreneurs are going global a lot quicker, a lot sooner, um, using digital resources, leveraging technology. That's why when we talk about STEM, always remember that T kind of stands out because it's the great bridge across all of the other areas and it's the great equalizer. So take that to heart, digest that, enjoy that until our next episode. Bye for now.